This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have with me today, Cindy Huggett. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited, Cindy, because you are the owner of the effective virtual presentation space. I mean, that is your jam. And since COVID, so many of us have had to transition to figuring out how to show up in an, imp- in an impressive way in the online environment. So tell me, you did not grow up saying, I'm going to be a virtual presentation expert. How did we get here? That's a great place to start. And believe it or not, I grew up knowing that I was going to be a teacher or a speaker of some type. When I was four years old, my family moved into a home and the people who had left before us and lived there before had a chalkboard in one of the rooms. And so I came home from school every day and set my doll in front of it and taught my doll everything that I had learned. So I knew from a young age that that was just part of my DNA and who I was, but certainly virtual was not in the picture. So back in just going to date me, Bridget, back in the early 2000s, over 20 years ago, I found myself as a training manager, as a one-person training department in a global organization who was told to cut my budget, stop traveling, but still provide learning programs to my global audience. What was I going to do? Well, thankfully, WebEx and other virtual programs were just in their infancy back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I took what I knew about speaking and teaching and learning, uh, took what I knew about technology, a little bit of a technology background. I put them together and I started doing my first online classes 22 years ago now, learned a whole lot along the way and ended up building a consulting business, helping other organizations move to this online learning classroom, ability to connect with audiences regardless of their location. So when COVID hit, Making that transition to the virtual environment, continuing to give great presentations and trainings, that was nothing new to you. However, it was new to a lot of people. Tell me, what is one of the biggest missteps you see people make in virtual presentations? 
I think the biggest misstep and the one I see still to this day is people who think it's about them. They're sitting at their desk or they're standing in their room and they're not with other people. And so they forget that there's an audience on the other side of the screen. They're so focused on their own notes or their own story or their own whatever uh, is going on that they forget whenever we meet together at the same time there's an audience. It's a dialogue, not a monologue, even if you don't see them face to face. And I think keeping that in mind is a key skill of really effective virtual presenters. Right. And I think sometimes we forget how to, or maybe it's not about forgetting. Maybe we just don't know how to meaningfully engage Mm -hmm. in that virtual environment. Do you have any best practices for creating that dialogue? There's several. And if we had about uh, several more hours, we could go through all of them. (laughs) But really, a couple of things that are, are simple and practical is I know some people who will put a photo uh, somewhere visible near their monitor, near their camera lens, and they'll look at that to remember there's a person on the other side of that camera. A second thing is having your setup wherever you are, your monitor space, your webcam, where you can really easily see the videos of your participants if they're using them. Again, just to see some body language. And if you don't have other participants or your audience on camera, a simple thing like a sticky note that is pausing or catching your eye to help you remember it's not just about you. It's about the audience on the other side. So right, not just about you. Cindy Huggett is a leading virtual training expert with more than 30 years experience with technology-enabled learning solutions. She has written five acclaimed books on virtual training, including the 2022 release, The Facilitator's Guide to Immersive, Blended, and Hybrid Learning. Cindy is a life is a longtime trusted partner to Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, and businesses around the world. She upskills facilitators to create engaging online learning, and she helps organizations achieve success with their virtual and hybrid learning platforms. Based in Raleigh, North Carolina, you will typically find Cindy spending time with her husband and young son or teaching yoga at the local local. YMCA. Find out more about Cindy at cindyhuggett.com. Check the show notes so you can get that link. Now, Cindy, you have not always been a confident speaker. I am totally confused by that, but whatever. Talk to us about how this is kind of a complicated matter in your life. It is a complicated matter because even though I've, uh, you know, lifelong been on a stage and had lots of opportunities growing up and uh, into my college years, I had to give a presentation as a college freshman. And when I walked into this room, it was an auditorium and it caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that number of people. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't in a place that I was familiar with. And I had to go on stage and tell about some sort of event that was coming up. I don't recall the exact details. And I remember it was supposed to last uh, something like 10 minutes. And I spoke so 
quickly that I was done in two. It was a very, I think I, I just turned on the speed and went and I was nervous and I was sweaty and I couldn't wait to get off that stage. Now, Bridget, I met my husband, my now husband at that same college, not until we were seniors though. And after we were married, I was telling the story of how nervous I was on stage. And he looked at me and he said, that was you? <laughs> he was the audience. And he remembered it, how how poorly that presentation went uh, and didn't know it at the time. So have I always been a confident speaker? Well, in most situations, but I think we all find ourselves with the unexpected when we have something that maybe we're not as prepared for or an audience situation or now when we're talking about virtual a tech issue that happens that just throws us off. And I can think of times, you know, that's a memorable one, but I'm sure there've been others along the way. So it happens to us. And I think how we react, how we learn from those experiences can go a long way. What would you say is, if there is a difference, what would you say is the biggest difference between preparing for a virtual presentation versus preparing for an in-person presentation, if the difference exists. Sure, there's a gold mine of things we could talk about because so much is the same. We need to know our audience. We need to know our message. We need to uh, be able to present and speak clearly. But when we're virtual, we're now adding in the element of technology. We're adding in the camera presence. We're adding in the importance of crystal clear audio. To this day, it still surprises me when I work with facilitators, trainers, presenters, and they're just trying to use the device microphone that is on their laptop or on their tablet, whatever they're using, when by adding in an external microphone, it can create such a difference in the sound quality and therefore their credibility. Things like noise-canceling microphones can help with uh, the background noise that can get in the way. Those simple little things that uh, really make a huge difference when we're trying to communicate virtually. Webcams, even if you are speaking on an in-person stage and you might have a camera on you, you're not as focused as looking into the camera unless you have a remote audience. And then it becomes essential that we work on our eye contact, that we maintain eye contact with that camera. And when there's a technology glitch or an issue, a situation that causes there to be a lag, a delay, a garbled audio, whatever the tech issue is, how we respond to that. So having backups, uh, for example, I have my mobile device next to me and it's on a stand so I don't have to look down at it. I can look straight at it. But you and I are meeting right now for this recording in an electronic platform. I've got that same link ready to go on my mobile device. So that if something were to happen right now in our conversation, I don't have to go searching for the link or searching for the connection. It's already plugged in. And within, I estimate, 10 seconds or so, I'd be reconnected and we can continue. So that type of backup preparation for technology that we sometimes take for granted when we're in person is extra important when we're online. 
you are taking your audience on a journey, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I like to think about if you were going on an actual journey, if you were taking a road trip or if you were taking a plane trip, you are going to pack, you know, even when I just travel overnight, I take an extra outfit just in case the Mm -hmm. flight is canceled or delayed and I've got to stay another night. Uh, You know, you have your phone and your laptop or your phone, laptop and a tablet. You have all this backup right? Or if you're taking a trip by car, you've got the spare in the trunk, you've got GPS, you, you know, may even go old school and grab a physical map. So in taking a physical journey, you have all of these backup plans in mind. And I mean, even I'll even save the hotel information on my calendar in the event, you know, whatever goes wrong with Uber, once I get in the car or whatever, I can easily pull up the address to the hotel. But you get my point. When you're delivering a virtual presentation, have a backup plan just in case, because yes. you never know. Yes, all of that and more. I call it Olympic athlete preparation. Bridget, when I think of the most prepared people on the planet, I often think of Olympic athletes. They have that extra pair of shoes. They have thought through all their contingencies. They have been preparing. And we might think, but my virtual presentation is an Olympic athlete quality. Well, let's think like an Olympic athlete. What can you do? Maybe you don't have five backups. Can you have two backups? Can you have uh, something else in mind? Maybe, for example, in a virtual presentation, you might want to engage your audience with a poll. You can use polling in any platform, in any environment, with any number of participants, and oh no, somebody forgot to load the poll, or the poll isn't working as you expected. So your backup, well, hey everyone, pop over to chat, tell me your answer to this question, right? Just being able to think on the on your feet, be able to be flexible and and agile are all things that'll serve you well as a virtual presenter. But part of it is just going through your planned presentation and thinking about, well, if that didn't work, what could I do? If that didn't work, what could I do? And uh, to have that idea in your mind. You know, you bring up polling, Cindy. So I want Mm -hmm. to ask you, are there some best practices or high, I don't know, high engagement recommendations that you have for designing polls or designing poll questions? Mm -hmm. And so one of the mistakes, and this is a question you asked earlier, but one of the biggest mistakes that I see virtual presenters make is when they ask a question and there's complete silence when that question is asked. And that question can be in any form, verbal, chat, polling, or you name it. And the reason that mistake often happens is that we wait too long into the presentation before we ask it. If we have a presentation that starts at the top of the hour and it's 15 or 20 minutes in before the first poll or the first question is asked, we've lost the audience already. It's pretty rare that we can keep that attention in a virtual environment We can and should have great visuals and video and other things to go along with it. So when it comes to asking questions, getting engagement, polling or otherwise, the way we start sets the tone for that online presentation. So we want to ask a question in the first minute or two right up front. 
that's usually when we're giving our spiel, we're giving our story, we're giving our hook. But let's hook the audience right up front. Let's ask them, hey, everybody, welcome to the session. Tell me who's here. Go to chat. Enter in your location. Or here's a poll question. These are the four things we're going to look at today. What's most interesting to you? Or what's your experience with, right? That's something that's simple and easy. I often hear from facilitators, oh, well, my participants don't know the platform. We'll make it easy. Give it a one-click button, a one reaction, a, a something simple. By now, most people know how to at least click on the raise hand or click on a smiley face or open up the chat, but polling is, is super simple. So that's number one. Bridget, there's another component to it. The other mistake that we make, and this is one of the big differences in person and online, when we're in person, we can ask open overhead questions. Hey, who has experience with this? Or what do you think about? If you ask that same type of open-ended question in a virtual presentation, we're much more likely to get silent. So a better method of phrasing the question is to be more direct, precise, specific. Something like, if you have experience with this, click on the raise hand button. If not, just click on no. Great, 50% of you have raised your hand, or if it's a smaller group, Emma, Maria, and Latoya, you've all raised your hand. Let's hear a little more from you. So you can take those input points from your specific question and open up the dialogue from there. So it's a much more effective way to ask questions. That direct questioning technique is so key. It's mm -hmm. so important. If you get into the habit of asking more specific and more direct direct questions, I promise you, both inline, inline, online, and in person, you are going to see a different, different in a good way, a mm -hmm. different response to that question. Ask more specific questions, more direct questions, and it makes it easier on your audience. When you're facilitating a session, you are there to make it easy on everyone. When you ask these broad, general questions, it, 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 it causes the brain to hurt. So make it, it a little bit easier on people. I cannot agree with you more. And I really like those questions, the kind that you describe where it's like, here are the four things that we're going to achieve in this session or the four things you'll learn. Which one is most important to you, most interesting to you? I love that one because it draws you in. It gets you excited about the session. It gives you a preview of how your time will be spent. It does so many things. So that, that type of questioning really excites me. Setting the tone from the beginning in those first few minutes, giving everyone an idea of what they can expect. So if you ask a question at minute 10, the fact that you already asked one at minute two or three, they're ready. They know that they are going to be expected to engage. Oh, love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay. In a few minutes, you'll have an opportunity to ask me a question, Cindy. So just giving you a heads up there. My next question for you is when you think about the presentations you've made over the years, which one is your absolute favorite? It's the one you could just deliver over and over again without even having to hesitate and think about it. 
one of the presentations, and it's such a uh, high demand one right now, is how do you engage your remote audience? The five key principles of engagement in a virtual presentation or virtual class. And it is a set of five principles that is universal. It doesn't matter your topic. It doesn't matter the size audience. It doesn't matter your subject matter. It doesn't matter what platform you're using. If you employ these five principles of engagement, you will change the way your audience is involved in your presentations, involved in their learning, involved in the outcome, and you'll get better results. It is hands down, one of my favorite. I've written about the five principles. I talk about the five principles, but I've got a workshop on them. It's kind of like a music, uh, your favorite song. You might hear it on the radio. You might go out and buy that vinyl or that CD uh, in, in, in the past, a CD. Uh, now I think vinyl is back, Bridget. Um, yes, or yes. you're going to go to the concert <laughs> to hear that performer sing the song. And so I talk about it in a number of different formats. My favorite is the workshop because we're rolling up our sleeves and actually doing it and getting feedback and experiencing it. But I speak about it and, and write about it. Five key principles to engagement. I call it uh, designing, engaging online presentations. And it's my favorite. I like the sound of it, the fact that it doesn't matter the topic, the audience, the platform, it, none of it matters. It's universal. It's kind of like uh, how you have a staple recipe for, I like making Buddha bowls. My husband and I have recently fallen in, lo fallen in love with them. Yeah. And you have a grain, you have vegetables, you have a sauce, you have possibly a protein. It's up to you. But once you get down that basic format to the to the recipe, you can have quinoa for your grains or maybe wild rice for your grains. You can have some spinach and roasted veggies for your veggies, or you can have avocado and some you know, arugula, whatever. And maybe you'll have chicken for the protein or shrimp for the protein. And yeah. uh, I don't know, an Asian inspired sauce or mm -hmm. an Italian inspired sauce or whatever. I mean, I'm always playing with it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the ingredients once you get the method down so those five keys that you have once you get that recipe for those five keys it doesn't matter you can wow your audience and I think I wow my husband's taste buds with my Buddha bowls too Yum. he hasn't turned them down yet so <laughs> right it's that simple repeatable formula that we yes. can use that we can adapt and modify depending on what ingredients you have or what your goal is but absolutely you've got that down and some of the best chefs I love to watch cooking shows on TV. Some of the best chefs, they can do it from their mind. They don't have to open up the recipe book once they've practiced, once they've uh, gotten that pattern down. So I love it. I love the cooking and food analogy as well. Yes, yes. So, okay, the time has come. You are now the interviewer just for a little while. <laughs> what is your question for me, Cindy? So you and I both have a love for books, a love for resources, a love for learning. And when you think about one of those books or one of those resources that's been most impactful for you as a presenter, what comes to mind? Is there one that you would point to and say, I learned from that and I recommend it? Okay. 
I am going to cheat on this answer. It's not so much a book. I'll come back to that in a second. And it's going to be so self-serving, but I've just got to do it. For me, though, when I point to a resource, it's going to be watching other outstanding presenters. Love it. That is my prime resource. I'm telling you, I can think back to presentations years and years ago, maybe even more than decades ago, and watching outstanding presenters. And my quote unquote problem is I'm watching their style and their delivery. I'm watching every move they make. I'm listening to every word that comes out of their mouth. I'm watching everything that they have on the screen. I'm looking at the design of their slides. I'm looking at what kinds of images they're using. I'm watching their body language. I'm making note of every single second of that presentation. And that is a resource that I point to as being the one that has been most helpful in my evolution as a speaker. And I find great speakers everywhere. Uh, everywhere. A lot of the times though, some of my favorite ones are going to be at the Association for Talent Development Conference. Usually takes place in May. ATD, love the organization. And they have amazing speakers every year. I don't care if it's a breakout speaker, a keynote speaker. speaker. I, I learn something from speakers all the time. Additionally, the National Speakers Association, NSA, they have hands down incredible speakers. Those, those are my go-to resources is watching other speakers. Now, to directly answer your question, here it comes. <laughs> Favorite book is Real Talk, the second edition. I wrote it, put it out in October of 2022. And the subtitle says it all. What other experts won't tell you about how to make presentations that sizzle. What I've done in that book is I've taken my 20 plus years of being a professional speaker and watching other speakers. And I give you in, I don't know how many words, 65, 67,000 words or so, everything that I wish I had known before I took to the stage for the first time as a professional speaker in 2001. Don't walk, run and get yourself a copy of that book. Real talk, what other experts won't tell you about how to make presentations that sizzle. And while you're at it, get a copy of Cindy's book, The Facilitator's Guide to Immersive, Blended, and Hybrid Learning. Both are available on Amazon. Get your copies today. Absolutely. <laughs> and when we think about the word um, facilitator, presenter, trainer, right, there's all nuances of different meetings, but we have a shared skill set. And that skill set of connecting with an audience, helping them learn, helping them be better. I love it. Bridget, one of the things I love about the resource you chose is it's accessible to everyone. You see presenters all the time. You see people communicating and you're looking for what works, what resonates. And sometimes you pick up on the, oh, let's not do that. Or maybe I do that. I want to look and examine myself. So what a great resource that is. And speaking of resources, Cindy has a ton of them available for download on her website. Again, her website is cindyhuggett.com. Check the show notes. Go to cindyhuggett.com forward slash resources. Grab everything that she has there. She has checklists. She has 
white papers. She has all kinds of recommendations for how you can shine on the microphone virtually and in person because so many of the strategies are transferable to the in-person environment. Do not hesitate. Go get those resources. Cindy, oh, and get her on your stage, okay? <laughs> CindyHuggett.com. She can make all of your team total rock stars whenever they have to make virtual presentations. So do not hesitate. Go on over to CindyHuggett.com. Cindy, what else do our listeners need to know in order to make sure that they're not intimidated when they have to deliver a virtual presentation or conduct an online meeting? What else do they need to know before we go? That's such a great question. And I'm glad you asked because I think if we remember to practice, 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 take every opportunity to think about communicating your message, we are now living in an online world, right? We connect with family members, friends, and colleagues digitally. And if I have an opportunity to turn my camera on, even if I've not brushed my hair that day, let's do it. Let's practice. Let's practice looking at the camera lens. The more we do it, the more comfortable we're going to get. And sometimes it just takes that repetition over and over again. And then asking for feedback, perhaps that's feedback that you're asking for verbally, perhaps you're looking back at a recording or you're using a tool like PowerPoint, Microsoft 365's presentation tool that is going to let you record a little five-minute segment and give you feedback on your body language, on your rate of speech, right? There's that digital feedback you can get as well. So practice, practice every opportunity you can, and you're automatically, with that great feedback, going to improve your ability to communicate online. Perfection. Cindy Huggett, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. I've loved our conversation. Likewise, likewise. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. Mm -hmm.